There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. For whatever reason, I'm doing a radio voice here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's questions from the audience. Mm, Gangster Pete alongside. Gangster Pete sometimes chimes in, sometimes he doesn't. I don't know what will happen today. I know we have some good questions, though, and I always enjoy kind of like um, this is like my... uh, unwinding. I just got done doing an interview uh, with Bob Birch, who some people might go, well, who's Bob Birch? Bob Birch, uh, radio executive and uh, operated classic rock stations, was a Casey, uh, as a DJ in the 70s, then classic rock stations, KZK, and then KFNS, and then more stations in California, and has all kinds of radio stories. So that was good entertainment uh, going into the radio vault. And, uh, and also, uh, Tim Van Gelder, who I grew up watching on, uh, I guess at the time it was KMOX TV, then it became KMOV TV. And, uh, and we, we had, uh, both worked with Alan Cohen who hired me in 2000 and was the GM when uh, Tim left in 1986. So interview mode is over. Now it's time for, uh, questions from the audience. And if you want to listen to any of the interviews, uh, they're up for you, Joe Edwards, uh, from uh, the U-City Loop and his background, and then also his thoughts on what's going on in St. Louis right now. I really, I mean, I, I know I say it, it's like I'm a caricature of an impression of myself. If you're doing an impression of me, I really enjoyed this interview, but I really did enjoy that interview. Um, Gangster Pete, you really enjoyed it as well. I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, so uh, Joe Edwards, major recommendation for me and Gangster Pete on that one. All right, let me go into the question. The, I have a QFTA email file because I get them. And, uh, and I remember thinking this week we have a few good ones, and then I know there are a few good ones on the TMA fan page. Anytime you have a question, and I'll always start with this, um, you can ask whatever. It's encouraged. Anything. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like me, so that, so, but it might be weird to, to, to not like me and then go out of your way to listen to the podcast, although I'm sure that goes on. It's, it makes more sense to listen to TMA and not like me because it might be like, well, I really like Doug or Doug's politics really resonate with me and then you got Tim and I think he's, you know, the liberal guy. And so I just kind of have to deal with him, but I want, I want, I want dissenting opinions. I want, I'm fine with, you know, I mean, I prefer it not to be personal attacks, not because of like hurt feelings, although who enjoys hurt feelings, but it just, that, that, that content isn't that great more. So you say this, but how can you say this when there's this, or I think this, and I know you think that, why do you think that I like that? I encourage whatever. Anything is welcome in the inbox. And if it's no good, or if I'm just like, ooh, wow, that guy really hit close to home. I didn't know that was an exposed nerve. But now that I read it, it is, and I'm not going to read it. So it's fine. Then we won't, we won't talk about it. But, t- but fire your bullets, for real. And by bullets, I mean uh, your questions, preferably, please. Uh, so here's here's what we got. We got a good one here. And Gangster Pete, you're a degenerate, I think, a bigger degenerate than, than me. I'm very, very confident in that, actually. I've been called that before. Yeah. So uh, this has to do with emos- emotional risk management. And I am losing a lot of money as the Blues continue to win hockey games because oftentimes 
God, I'd say about a third of the time they've won in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They now have 14 wins as as we're recording this. Ideally, they finish with 16. Um, I have bet on the Jets. Probably, I don't know if I was uh, ERMing then, emotional risk management then, because they got up 2-0, and it's the first round, and you're not that leveraged emotionally. And you might be like, dude, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, and I'm not emotionally leveraged. I think a lot of people are now. But if you're not, I'm jealous of you, actually. Of course, then if they do win, the high probably isn't as great. But if they lose, the low isn't as bad. So that's why I do emotional risk management, because I have the emotional maturity of a three-year-old. Jameson and I, my one-year-old, we really get along in that capacity. So I will bet on the other team, because if the Blues lose, I make money. Now, Doug, for example, on the Ryan Kelly Morning After, is strictly anti-emotional risk management. And sometimes when I talk about emotional risk management, it pisses people off. I don't know why it pisses people off because it's one of those things. I kind of view it like if you want to talk about like sexual orientation or preference, if people want to call it that, it's like, well, I really don't like the gays. Okay, well, then I would recommend just not engaging in sex with a gentleman if you're a gentleman. I mean, it's, it's kind of an easy way to, to navigate the channel. Um, if you don't like emotional risk management, uh, then don't do it. It's really simple to each their own. So for me, I find this like the Bruins beat the hell out of the blues and I'm like, well, that sucks, but I won X amount of dollars. I also, it's, it's, and and the value is different to each person. I think it'd be better quote unquote content if I gave the dollar figure, but what I've learned anytime any discussion of dollars comes up, it's like, even though it's probably most people probably like, yeah, whatever, who cares, you know, because because what is a lot of money to me is not a lot of money to a lot of other people. And then what is, you know, not a lot of money to me might be a lot of money to somebody who's just getting, you know, or they're, they're in, like when I got when I started at KMOV, I had I owed five thousand dollars on a credit card and and I'm 23 and I'm like, I can't possibly get my own place. I have to live with my parents because I have five thousand dollar credit card debt. And it like owned me, you know, and not to say that I would enjoy having just like a random $5,000 credit card debt now, but things change. But the thing is people get, you know, I don't know why. And I don't know why, because I think it's healthier. When I operate a business and I think it's good, my dad, for example, who's a general sales manager for everything, it's horrible to talk numbers. But I think the, the, the numbers are always the reason for the decision and you can't argue with the numbers. So when people go, oh, this guy fucked me over. And I go, well, okay, that's fine. You can say that. But unfortunately, if you're going to go public with that, then I'm going to have to go public with the fact that your show was bringing in, you know, one eighteenth of what it was supposed to. And how are you going to explain that? You know, and then, then who knows? They probably still will come up with some other bullshit. But then then explains it to the audience. So I like talking numbers. When you talk about dollars, then people get pissy either way. To, to just be transparent without going into detail, it's a few hundred bucks. It's not making or breaking me, but I also know that if I were, you know, I lost money in high school to a bookie and I lost 150 bucks. And I remember going up to my dad and going, dad, I just lost a double or nothing bet on the Bills and Jets game on Monday night football and I owe a bookie money. Timmy, what the hell are you doing betting with a bookie? God damn it. What do you owe? Is that $150? And I'm sure internally he's like, oh God. But he's like, don't bet with a bookie. God damn it. So, you know, th- things change. So it's not like I'm like, oh, sweet, Anna Marie. Now we can, you know, take care of whatever expense because the Bruins won. It's just like, okay, they lost. That sucks. But at least I made some money. That's the thought process. I don't like it. 
Another strategy that I employ that I'm a big advocate of, I'm a bigger advocate of this actually, is the live bed. Because what's what would be more heartbreaking? Like, for example, put yourself, if you can remember it, Game 5, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, can't imagine we have many listening, but you remember as a Blues fan, the Blues were down 2 nothing in the third period of a game that was, you know, the Blues were up 2-0 in the series. Now it's 2-2. The game's back in Winnipeg, and it looks like they're about to be down 3-2 to Winnipeg. And the whole thing could be over, you know, two nights later back in St. Louis, and the Blues come back and they win that thing. Well, I would imagine, and I, I did, I bet it. Now that, now that I'm talking about it, look at me, refreshing my own memory. But I remember the Blues were out playing them, but they were down 2 nothing, and I think they were plus 900 because I feel like I bet 50 bucks and won 450. Um, they were plus, I think, right around there, plus 900, plus 800. So that means if you bet 100, you win 800. If you bet 100, you win 900. If it's plus 900. And, and you're a Jets fan, and that happens. Now, it still sucks, but at least you would have bet the Blues, and you protect yourself with some form of a net. That's emotional risk management. So when the Blues got up like 2 or 3 nothing on the Sharks in Game 5 in San Jose, I had the Sharks were like plus 1,100. I'm like, shit, I'll put 50 bucks on this. I mean, if the Blues lose this game, I'll be on tilt, but at least I'll win 550 bucks. You know, that's that's the thought process. So anyway, there's emotional risk management. You might like it. You might like it. I don't fucking know. Here, I don't even remember the question. Uh, I haven't read the question, but I don't remember reading the email. I just know it's titled emotional risk management. Here we go, Gangster Pete. It's degenerate. It'll be right up your alley. Hey, Tim, first time, long time. You often talk about your emotional risk management bets, especially recently with the run the Blues are on. What I'm curious about is how you decide on the amount you'll wager for a particular game. I'm not looking for your specific bets, but want to know your thought process and assigning value to your potential feelings. Have you been increasing your bets as the playoff rounds have progressed? Does a potential elimination slash clincher game carry more weight when the Blues win games where you bet against them? Do you ever feel any regret over the lost wager? I'll answer that one right there. The answer is 100% no. Never, never. Like I had to pay uh, here a couple days ago, I guess. And I'm just like, fuck it. Great. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that I'm paying this because, again, I'm not buying a Blues win, but it's the cost of doing business. Again, this this serious, I mean, there's so many things that I think that I realize, and I'm not saying I'm right as contrarian guy. I just know I think certain things that especially in St. Louis are in such a minority, not to say that if you're like, in L.A. or San Francisco or New York, you're enlightened. I just know what the market is, and I know I'm in a, in a, in a more of a minority here. I think I'd still be in a minority there, but that are that in most people's minds be, God, he's so fucked up, but I like the show, so I kind of put up with, you know, that's the cost of doing business to listen to TMA is I got to listen to his weird fucking thoughts. But in my mind, it's like totally rational. It's totally rational. Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, I just had to, you know, make this payment. And I didn't even think twice about it, but I'll tell you this because I've lost less on bets. Like I had it happen as a matter of fact, because I won not so much, but a few hundred dollars, uh, not a thousand, but a few hundred dollars when the blues lost to the Bruins in game three. Um, and you know, it's not, it's nice, but fuck, I'd take the blues beating the Bruins in game three all day long. And, uh, and then the next day I have a friend who's a wizard with, with uh, daily fantasy and in order to be a wizard with daily fantasy you have to be able to project outcomes for players and therefore you can assign values for games and then he sees edges and, I, and i'm just like okay i won a few hundred bucks on the blues losing the bruins that sucks it's a sunday i don't know what do you like today any 
rattled off three things. Unfortunately, it went oh, in my mind. I'm like, well, even if we go one, two, fine, you know, then I just lose X. Went 0-3. Didn't even get a sweat, by the way. There wasn't even a sweat. Two of the games, I'm like, yep, that'll wrap that up. One of them was a total at the end of the day. And I'm like, yep, that didn't hit. And there's that. And so then the money I won in the Bruins, Bruins and Blues is immediately gone. That bothers me. Because I'm just like, why did I even fucking do that? was just dumb. Because I don't care. But I'm like, okay, I'll double my money. And then ideally now I can bet more. Because that goes back to the question above. What I'm curious about is how you decide on the amount you'll wager for a particular game. It's a great question. It's arbitrary, but my formula can be used. It's just, it it depends what your X is, is how much the win means to you. So as we talk right now, the Blues are tied at two with the Bruins. And now it's in the arena of it's so close you can taste it. And so... How much is it worth it to you? It start, you know, if you go, okay, I'm going to bet the Blues to win the Stanley Cup is, is they're, you know, up 2-0 on Winnipeg two months ago, nearly two months ago. You're not as emotionally pot committed as you are now at this point. I think that's something that resonates with everyone, even if you're not an emotional risk management player. So now it's a different deal. So you assign, I assign, this is what I would say if you really want to do this, and I know most people won't, but if you want to hedge because you're like, oh my God, I'm really dangerously at risk here of losing my shit if the Blues lose this thing. And I could go, yeah, if the Blues lose the next two, that's brutal. You know what would be more brutal? The Blues lose in game seven. That would be more brutal. I think that would be more brutal. I don't know. that that's 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 what we're staring down here. So those are the two outcomes. They either lose the next two or they lose in game seven. As far as the Blues not winning cup, that those are the only choices. They're either going to lose in St. Louis, and the Bruins are going to be skating around with the Stanley Cup in St. Louis, while the Blues fans are in tears, or the Blues and Bruins split the next two, which means I mean let's just play it out. This isn't really tough shit here. It's not like we're calculating flush draw implied odds. The Blues either win game five and are up 3-2, meaning the whole world of St. Louis Blues fans wants to be in that building on Sunday night for game six, thinking that they're going to see the Blues lift the chalice, and then Boston wins that, and then Boston wins in game seven. You have that. That's one scenario, which is fucking awful. Or... Boston wins game five, which they're a minus 145-ish favorite to do. Uh, Blues are only minus 115 for game four, by the way, to give you some perspective. That means you got to bet 145 to 100. I think i got to stop doing that at this point if you don't know it. I, I just, um, but either way, the Blues lose game five, and now you're going to game six going, oh, my God, I hope this isn't the night that I see the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, but it's the last chance, and who knows when the last time, next time I'm going to see the Blues in the Stanley Cup final. And, my God, one of the most storied games in Blues history was when they didn't have a chance to win the Campbell Conference, i.e. Western Conference, in 1986, and it was the Monday Night Miracle, so i got to be there. And then if they can win that, hell, they were down 3-2 to the Stars, they can still win game seven. So you have those two scenarios as far as the Blues not winning. Now, the scenario, of course, almost everyone listening to this podcast once, now from Boston, different program, but program, but is the Blues winning the next two, and we actually see it happen in St. Louis. And, you know, I'm big into assigning just random subjective probabilities. If you would have said before game four, 
when the Blues are down 2-1, that they're going to win this thing in six. I think it was playing, paying plus 650. If I'm not mistaken, Pete, I don't know if you know this number. Did you see that by chance? I thought I, 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 thought, I, mentioned, I, thought I mentioned it on the show, and that actually surprised me because I thought it was a little, I thought it would be higher than that. Because to me, I would put that at about a 15% play, but I guess 15% are in that, in that ballpark um, as far as a plus 650. But uh, I, it just didn't, in my, I, I hate to even say it, but in my, like, they're down, they're down 3 2 to Dallas. They're down 2 1 to Boston. They were down 2 0 to Winnipeg in that game five. And for whatever reason, and it's like I'm jinxing it, so you can hate me if it happens. But for whatever reason, throughout this whole thing, I've just been like, in my mind, they're going to win this thing. Now, I'm, I'm going back to almost two months ago when we are talking about Game 5 with Winnipeg. And so I remember thinking that when they're down 2 nothing, and that's not the reason I bet them, as if I'm some Nostradamus, um, because I only bet them based on the fact that I thought the Blues had outplayed them, and the value was so good on betting the Blues, I think at plus 900, because I think I won 450 betting 50. Um that I'm like, that's why I'm betting it, not because of my feelings. Who the fuck knows on my feeling? Uh, we did have a podcast that we redid once the Blues won game six against the Sharks, and I, which I said my feeling is the Blues are going to have a bad feeling they're going to lose game six and then win this thing in game seven. Never thought the Sharks were going to win the series, but that was my weird feeling because it was just lining up so perfectly for the Blues. But my feeling is they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But that's not new. It's just now it's like, oh, my God, it actually could happen. It's like foreign. It's like when I saw Missouri and I went to see Missouri play Auburn in the SEC championship game. And I remember just going, God, I can't believe my alma mater nearly is, is playing in the SEC championship game. And, you know, for the people in the South, this is like the biggest thing. And here's Missouri. I mean, it just, it, I just remember walking in the Georgia Dome, may it rest in peace, and seeing their banner next to Auburn's and just going, God, what? And if they win, they're playing Florida State for the national championship. I mean, what in the world? And that's how this is. And then I think about what it would mean. You know, I, we, we talked about it so often for what it would mean to St. Louis and how, you know, one of the things would be as big a Cardinal fan as I am, I'd rather see the Blues win a Stanley Cup because we've seen the Cardinals win world championships, fortunately, quote unquote, so often with a couple here in the last 14 years, 13 years. And then you see what it meant and what the reaction was when the Blues won game four. And I'm like, holy shit, that was even bigger than I thought it was going to be. And usually... With social media and radio and podcasts, it's tough for a hyperbole to actually exceed the hyperbolic, but yet it did. It looked like a Cardinal World Series celebration, like after the Cardinals won in 06 and 11. That's what it reminded me of down there on television. I wasn't there. And and yet it, it just evened the series. So imagine if the Blues win game five and then win game six and win the Stanley Cup. Like, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough, well, we've all been lucky enough, that when the Cardinals have won the World Series, because of rainouts in each of the two series, fun fact for no one tell, 06 and 11, that they won it in Game 5 and 06 on a Friday night, and they won it in Game 7 and 11 on a Friday night. So I didn't have to do a show the next day. And nonetheless, I still went home. I mean, I was out, but I didn't, like, stay out all night. Um, this would be on a Sunday night. Rainouts are highly unlikely in the NHL. And so I don't really know what I would do because I have an obligation to do a very good show. Pete, you and Iggy and the Plowhawk have an obligation to get like the greatest guest list ever, which might be tough because those guys might still be out. But I would want to enjoy it. I don't know what the hell to do. And, and, and what I've experienced, I'm sure plenty of you have experienced this, 
is if you get to a point, now I haven't done it in a long time, but where it's like 4 a.m. and you're like, I got to get up at 6. At that point, you have that decision where do I stay up or do I get two hours of sleep and feel like absolute hell? Either way, you're going to feel like hell. I don't know. I mean, listen, I hope it's a problem I have to deal with. Um, but I do think about that. I am starting to think because now it's becoming real. So because it's becoming real, what value do you put on the emotional risk management? Where does it get to? The balance is this. I'll try to explain it because it's so abstract. But the balance is this. How much is it worth to you to see the Blues win the Stanley Cup? Okay, you've got the figure. And you might be like, you might be like, you know, in the five figures or up range. All right. Because it, because it gets into so emotion for people with, with parents or grandparents or siblings or sons, daughters, whatever the case might be, they might know somebody on the day, whatever. All right. What dollar figure, if you were to win it, would you be going, God, that sucks, but at least I've got this now in my account. All right. And then there's the final one. If they do win it, you do now have to pay this bet. How much are you comfortable paying? And I'm not talking, listen, I, when, I'm, when I'm shooting off a couple hundred bucks, I don't enjoy it. But we're talking about the bet for the value of winning a Stanley Cup. The Blues, you know, the Blues are the underdogs too. So you have to lay like, I think minus, what is it? Is it minus 140, Pete? I think that's what the Bruins. I think they're minus one thirty to win the cup. I think that's what the Bruins are. So if the number's a thousand, that means you got there. It is again. I'm explaining it again, even though I said I wouldn't. You're laying thirteen hundred to win a thousand. If the number is ten thousand, you're laying. You're costing yourself. It costs you thirteen thousand dollars to see the Blues win the Stanley Cup. Now I, I realize who's going to do that. Like no one is going to do that. I know that the Bruins are minus one fifty to win the series. Wow, Jesus, yeah. And one minus one fifty for game uh, five. That's that's a tough spot. That's where the live betting helps your cause. Um, so with that said, that's that's it. Because you can go, okay, yeah, it's worth ten grand to me to see the Blues win the Stanley Cup. Okay, good, makes sense. I follow you. Are you comfortable sending capital T capital M the man ten ten grand or actually fifteen grand? Should the Blues win the Stanley Cup? That's the situation you're in. And, and for almost everybody, the answer, of course, is no. But that's emotional risk management. And the, and I'll tell you something. I've been emotional risk management-ing with the Cardinals for a long time. And I could see what was going to happen. This is getting really specific, and it's almost five years old now. Game five of the 2014 NLCS against the Giants. Travis Ishikawa home run to win it when Michael Waka emerged for the first time in a, more than a month to pitch. Bizarro world. You could see what was going to happen in that game. And as the Cardinals kept getting outs, the live odds for the Giants kept going up, and I just kept piling on. And listen, I would have loved it if the Cardinals won, but I saw it was happening. And so when the Giants won that game, I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like when the, you can tell a couple times when the Bruins have scored. And my wife will go, you know, she'll have this look of despair on her face. And I go, well, you could see it coming. You know, I mean, it was just, it was, the ice was tilted, probably were on a power play. That's when they score. You know, I mean... You saw it coming. So the pain of it was mitigated not only by you could see it coming, but I also won money. So live betting. Um, when, who was it that they lost an overtime game to? Oh, well, it was a hand pass game. I didn't think they'd lose like that. But when the Sharks tied it with like a minute three left, 
I bet the Sharks. Part of it was emotional risk management. I'm like, fuck, they're going to win this game. This is going to be a brutal one. And the Blues should be up 2-1 in the series. And now they're going to be down 2-1. Then I bet the Sharks. So sometimes you can see it coming. Um, so I'm sure a lot of Blues fans are like, oh, my God, they dominated the Stars for three periods. And now this is going to go to overtime. And the Stars are going to win. It's going to be a textbook, heartbreaking Blues loss, which I still think many fans, and I got to be honest, part of me still feels like that is the way this will end in some kind of absolutely gut-wrenching, won't-be-able-to-recover-ever kind of way. It's just it's the nature of a Blues fan until they see the Blues lifting the cup. So, factor all of that in and then be prepared. And you might have to put a lot in in order to be able to cover it. But that's emotional risk management. And, like, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I'll put 50 on this team, you know, and if it happens, it happens, whatever. Well, this is now 50 bucks. I'm going to cover it. So that's the risk on this emotional risk management. It's it's a big, big value. Gangster Pete, you're a degenerate. Your thoughts on ERM? I understand it. I don't have any beef with it. I just don't do it. I just like to pick winners. That's what I go for. And how often do you think, percentage-wise, you pick in winners? What do you think? Probably like 40%. Yeah, I would guess that's probably my way. If I, were, if I didn't have... What was the name of the guy that was killing the picks in pick six? The weatherman. The weatherman, yeah. Oh, my God, if I didn't have him. And yet he went to, like, what did he go? 67% or something? It was yeah, nuts. Yeah, close to that. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Um, so the, the, the gentleman, uh, Greg, uh, well, he signs off as King of Derp, which is a lovely name. <laughs> I know the very topic, emotional risk management, doesn't allow for 100% rational thought, but the way you talk about analyzing things like poker hands, your thought process of other decisions leads me to believe you have some sort of internal formula for your ERM wagers. Yeah, so I went over the formula. But I don't know because, God, well, and here's the other thing. You know, if the Blues are up 3-2, I'm going to be in the building on game six. So then there's an outlay there. You know, I'm exposed there. And it's, you know, I don't care who you are because the cheapest ticket at this moment to get in the building is $1,080, I believe. And that might have gone up since I said it. Um, now, if the Blues are up 3-2, do you think those get to $2,000? Gangster P. If the Blues are up 3-2. Yeah. I you do. do? Yeah. You didn't even hesitate. You insta-shipped. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I could go higher. Do you, I, I, think I, was, I was going to just fire a bullet at three. I think it's going to be outrageous. Really? I do. So, I, you know, I mean, yeah, if they're up three, it, but if they're up 3-2, the good thing on the emotional risk management element is at that point they are a major favorite, and so you're getting good value on your money. Right now, you're having to bet. So, again, even if the number is 1000 for you, you're still having to bet 1500 So, you know, that's a, that's a tough spot. But, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's, a, that's not like there's a formula per se, but those are the things I take into account. And I don't know. I, didn't, I wasn't ERMing in the 2011 World Series, you know. I don't know. I think the first time I did it maybe was like, I think it was 2014, actually. I think. I don't think I was doing it in the Red Sox World Series. Um, and I like it. I legitimately like it. And I, I don't know how to explain it outside of when your team is up, and that means your team's just most likely anyway, won a game. Um, have the Blues been up? No, the Blues have never been up 3-1 this whole run because this is their fourth game five tied at two. So we haven't really had that breathing room. The most breathing room was probably 2-0 on winning, Winnipeg. And that's it. I mean, they were up 3-2, obviously, on Winnipeg and the Sharks, but... Uh, God, yeah, there just hasn't been breathing room. So you haven't even really been able to enjoy those odds. But, uh, 
Oh, I mean, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know what dollar figure. I mean, I know, I mean, I know in my mind, in my mind, I'm like, okay, it's worth this much. Like if I, this, this amount popped into my account, I'd be like, okay, this sucks that they lost, but now I got this much and that's really nice. But here's the problem. If they do win, the enjoyment of the win is, it's going to be probably, yeah, it would be outweighed if, if I'm having to bet one and a half times that amount. It's not even a sweat. So you're in a bad spot on an ERM right now as far as the numbers. The Blues get up 3-2, you're in a, quote, good spot. Because I would imagine Boston at that point becomes plus, <sighs> probably plus 200 to plus 250, I would think. Don't you think, you think that's right? Sounds fair. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting two to one on your money or maybe two and a half to one on your money. So if the number is 1,000, you can bet 1,000. And then if the Bruins do win, you win 2,500. I don't know. But, yeah, it's a tough spot now. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I haven't bet series. I've bet games. That's what I've done. And I, and I haven't collected a fucking dollar. I've been paying. But it's fine. I love paying because I know that means the Blues have won. But I'm not paying an amount that, you know, messes me up. So anyway, there's emotional risk management. Do it. Uh, do what you want with it. I hope it helps you through it. Honestly, I don't think there's a real solution right now, though, because you're kind of stuck with this thing. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, let's see. Tim, uh, when the XFL arrives in St. Louis, will you treat it like a sport or just entertainment? As a community leader, as a community leader, yes, I just said that. You have great influence on how the whole thing goes over in the market. Gangster Pete rolled his eyes right there. I caught it. I caught a read. That was an XFL role, not a U commander oh, right? role. Uh, and number two, will this finals elevate young Pageview's career, and how soon will you be working with him? That's Tim in the 618. Uh, let's see. On the XFL thing, yeah, I don't want to roll my eyes like Gangster Pete. I just, I, yeah, I can't. I mean, we've had minor league sports here constantly throughout my time coming back home. Uh, you know, in 2000 to work at KMOV and we haven't covered them like we covered, you know, the Rams when they were here, the Cardinals and Blues and our show just doesn't get into like, okay, we got to talk sports, you know, because people have been like, because they're so caught up in the Blues and the way we've covered the Blues on TMA. It's like, God, what are you guys going to talk about when the Blues season's over? So we'll just go back to the same dumb shit we've been doing for 15 years. It's not like we're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We'll just do dumb shit. I can tell you, we'll be doing dumb shit in a week. But, um, uh, no, I, I can't, we won't cover it like we cover the Cardinals or Blues. Uh, now if it takes, I mean, it's, it's always about what, what are the people interested in? And sometimes the things that we're interested in, people aren't interested in. And then you get people banty about it or people in the audience are really interested in, you know, whether it be Cardinals, regular season games or Blues, regular season games. And then the reality of it is we are not as interested as those people. Again, this isn't like a large percentage in this, you know, it's just, it's the way that it is. I think part of that comes with being around it. Another part of it comes with, you just become interested in other things. Whereas I remember when I started at KMOV and the Cardinals lost, like I'm, I'm not bullshitting. I think it was a Sunday afternoon game in April to the Astros that they were up late in the inning, late game and lost in the last bottom of the ninth inning. 
And I was working with Doug, and I'm probably like 24. And he goes, everything all right? And I go, God, this Cardinal loss. And he, I, I think he looked at me like, oh, shit, this guy's really fucked up. You know, like, he's he's really upset about this. And I go, aren't you, aren't you upset? And he goes, I don't know. You, you get older and you have kids and you kind of don't really worry about it. And I look back, I remember that. I can picture where we were at KMOV. And I think about the fact that it broke me up that much. And I'm just like, what in the world was going on? You know, like, and I see it, it pops up every once in a while, certainly on social media, although it's obviously not accounts that I would be following, but the TMA fan page, I'll see it. If certain things happen, there's certain names I know are going to pop up. And I'm like, this poor fucking guy's so broken up about a regular season game. At the same time, if they do win the world championship, he'll be higher than anybody. Um, you know, but yeah, I'm just not, I'm not there. And so that's just not, the, the, the people can say, like, how do you describe TMA? I can't describe it because I want to get my friends listening because I know once they do, they'll love it. And the and I can't really describe the show, but I can say if there's a, a tenet of it, it's we're going to talk about the stuff we're interested in. And so it's not like, oh, we haven't talked about that. We didn't talk about the Cardinals at all today. And apparently they lost last night 4-1 to one to the Reds. I have no fucking idea. There was a rain delay and Genesis Cabrera pitched. And I was walking out of the studio with the cat. I go, how long were you there? He goes, oh, I didn't get home until midnight. The game didn't end until after 11 o'clock. So the rain delay, I go, shit, I have no idea. I went to bed. I didn't even watch. I didn't even think twice. I was watching NHL tonight. But if the Cardinals are in the World Series or the NLCS in, in, in October and the Blues are playing a regular season game, I can tell you this. Now, hockey guy gets really upset about this. But I won't care about the Blues because I don't get into especially regular season hockey. But I don't get into regular season baseball nearly as much as I used to. And that's, that upsets some people, and it's cool. I don't want to tell you, there are certainly people who are interested in it, and they have blogs and podcasts, and they might have radio shows. I don't know. But I don't get into it. But if you have been into regular season hockey for as long as you can remember, and now the Blues are two wins away from the Stanley Cup, I assure you, you're enjoying this more than anybody. And God bless you for putting up with it and being invested in it. For me, it's just not where I am. Um, so, yeah, as far as the XFL goes, at this moment, I can't imagine it. But if it does somehow overtake the NFL over there, becomes a real battle between the two, we'll be all over it. We'll be all over it. If anything, when the Rams are still here for their final seat, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 was their last season, we, we'd we be like, yeah, the Rams played yesterday, but, I mean, they're going to move. So to, like, get worked up about this whatever dumb shit happened in their loss, they're going to move. And then people would text in going, quit fucking saying they're going to move. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, we're going to die. Don't say it. Well, it's going to happen. I can't do anything about it. It's not going to change. So we're going to talk about it. Because this is what actually matters. You can get all invested in Sam Bradford's ability to check down to a back on a third and 15. But I'm telling you, they're not going to be here. So it doesn't matter. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's how we would approach the XFL. Regarding uh, the Young Pageviews question, will this finals elevate Young Pageviews' career? And how soon will you be working with him? The Young Pageviews thing, I th- I, I'm actually kind of excited about this because um, I feel like sometimes there's like this... And I might, I might be wrong. On, I'm Gangster Pete, your interpretation on this. And I know the thing with Gangster Pete is, uh, and I think this is more so with Iggy, uh, certainly with Iggy, um, but Iggy's kind of playing a part to an extent with like his extreme lemonading of me and, 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 and the Plowhawk, who I think actually disagrees with me a lot, but for whatever reason is scared of me like I'm his boss, even though I'm not. Uh, Gangster Pete will give an honest assessment on this. But my assessment is, Certainly more so than the cat and Doug. There are 
people who dislike me. I think that we, we established that as a, is, can we operate off of that as an agreement? Sure. Okay. Yeah. But you're not saying sure, like, okay, I'll play along. You're saying no. sure is no, you agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I want to make sure that we agree. Okay. Cause that's, that's the operating premise. And then if you have that, then there is, and I don't, I don't know what the reasons is not to say I'm like, oh, I'm so likable. I'm not saying that at all. Cause I'm sure I would, if anything, I would say the opposite, but I don't know why I'm in some people's craws as much as I am. I listened to me 10, 12 years ago and I totally get it. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm a 42 year old dad, but whatever. It's, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, I just know it exists. So we're operating off of that as a truth that I said, and I don't know when the first time he was on our show, I know Seymour was producing. So that has to be more than a year ago at this point that I'm like it, the first 10 seconds I heard, cause I didn't know who he was. It was just some guy who on Twitter said something about, he has free dough to his desk and he's in he's the, the barstool offices in New York. I'm like, okay, we'll have him on. Fuck. I don't know. And then within the first 10 seconds, I'm like, this guy's talented. Just It was an Insta thing. And it's one of those things. Tim Van Gelder, uh, we were talking about it. I've talked about it with, I don't know who else. If you do this stuff, broadcasting, in particular, I feel like with television, but maybe it works this way in radio, podcasting, I don't know. You know right away. It's not even like a, let me see another clip. You know right away if they got it. I don't know how to describe it. It's a weird thing. I would imagine people in music probably can spot it right away. Actors, actresses. Maybe, I don't know, but seeing as this is the dumb thing I've chosen to do with my life, I happen to be able to spot it right away. And Tim Van Gelder was talking about working with Bob Costas when he was like 21 or two. And he's like, oh God, I could tell right away. I'm not comparing page views to Costas, but within the first 10 seconds, I think I was probably texting Seymour from the producer's booth or he was in the producer's booth. And I'm like, this fucking guy is gold. But because I gave him my blessing I feel like, or I felt like he might actually be penalized because I gave him my blessing by that segment of the audience, whatever percentage it is, that will automatically, if I say something, they're like, ooh, I'm going to be the badass and go against him as if I, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm right. I got, I fucked up more things than anybody, I think. So that's, I'm happy to see that despite the fact that I've gone, this is one of the most talented people I've seen come along since we've been doing this show that he hasn't experienced that backlash. People are like, yeah, the guy's just super likable. He's a blues fan. He's down to earth and I like him. So, but my fear was that people, that, that segment of the show audience would hate on him because I like him. You follow me? I follow you. Okay, and good. Some people just hate anything Barstool too. So yeah, that's right. That also, but he's just like the most genuine guy. Like what you see is like really him. He's not putting on a show. Right. And so like I've, you know, so with page views, when we first had him on, people really liked him. And then he came in and did the podcast. You were producing it because I know you and Nick came in. So it probably was in the winter. And so I'm gone in January through March and it was here. So it had to be at the latest mid-January. Yeah. And it might have been 2018. And we did like three hours to the point that we had to stop it so people could piss because it was just like it just kept going and going and going. And... I'm just like, you know, people go, who do you want to work with? You know, when Doug and the cat decide they've, you know, it's time to shut it down. Uh, and, and it used to always be, I would name Charlie, Jay, Learn. And now I add page views to the list. Uh, I don't, I mean, page views is living in New York City. He's working at Barstool and he loves outdoors and he's got a really good thing going with that. But I'm happy to see, because when I used to talk about him, people like, who the fuck is this guy? 
you know, I, and I hate bar stools, so don't talk bar stool. That's certainly an amazing thing. And I see one of the questions we have is bar stools, so we'll get into that. But uh, that that what's happened with the Blues, and it isn't even the Stanley Cup final run. It's it's it started with the Winnipeg thing when he's dancing around with Boris, the chinchilla, in his apartment in New York City. That now people are becoming aware of him. But the thing that I like that stands out to me, and I guess maybe if I I, I probably wouldn't have been a big as big a fan if I felt like he had this in his DNA. Like he, like you said, Pete, he's down to earth and it's not like it's getting in his head that he's like some star, you know, I mean, he's just, he is, you know, we just, you know, he's just, he's just a cool guy. You know, he's the kind of guy. You know what I really liked about him is that he had no problem telling you about the rap videos he was making with his mom producing. Like, like he he had made it and he's like, listen, this is where I was, you know? That's embarrassing. That's, (laughs) but I think that you're right. I think that's probably why, because part of, part of TMA's success is if you choose to enter the arena for reindeer games, you will now play in the reindeer games. So if you dish it out, you'll have to be able to take it. I think for a few years there, people were hesitant to dish it to me because they're like, oh, he's the boss. And some people still think it. I, of course, know that I'm not, but people still... So like, ooh, somebody took a shot at Tim, and he's the boss. But before that, everybody was uh, could get shit on. Uh, but that's part of the deal. But then also part of the deal is we're all self-deprecating. Everybody, there's not there's not an exception to the rule, um, and probably light ourselves up more than than the audience does. And so that's a trait that I guess might be unique in radio. I don't know. I don't know because I don't really listen to a lot of other talk shows. Um, but the fact that he had that, I think we liked it and he's just a, you know, now who knows? I don't know. Maybe he'll turn into something, you know, but, <laughs> but, but as of right now, I mean, I, I, I like, he's a friend actually. And, uh, when he was in town, it was during the Dallas series. Cause I remember me, Anna Marie and him were sitting at Olive and Oak and it was like 11 at night, 1130. And I just wanted to catch up with him cause we didn't wind up going to game five of the Dallas series and we're bullshitting. And that's when I remember saying, I, he said it, I said it, one of us said it. And I, somebody said, I just think they're still going to win the series, and they're down 3-2. And I go, I do, too. Or he said, I do, too. And he goes, oh, my God, really? And then we're both like, yeah. So, um, anyway, would I work with him? Of course I'd work with him. I just named the people that I would love to work with, you know. I mean, because, as I always say, inevitably, somehow the thing is going to come to an end. How, it, but it might not come to an end for longer, and it might, or might, it might, we might have done our last show. I don't know, but I always like to kind of just, like, Prepare people for it. You know, it will come to an end. Or Doug will not be doing the show. Or the cat won't be doing the show. Or I won't be doing the show. I don't you know. Um, you know, it just changes. It's changed quite a bit. And so you go, okay, it would be irresponsible to not go, okay, well, what's what's the next play? So you always have to be thinking. And, you know, Charlie, Jay, Learn, Young Page Views, those are the people that I could see myself doing a show with. That's not a shot at other people. It's just those who I feel like I can come in and run the same offense that we've run on uh, on the morning grind slash TMA since July of 04. Uh, let's see. What else? 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 Uh, let's go to the TMA fan page because I know there's some good ones in here. God, holy shit. Is this a question in the Plowboys arguing with somebody in the questions from the audience thread? <laughs> no, this is a barstool. <laughs> Boy, the Plowboy and the barstool thing. But that is one of the questions that I see uh, popping up. Uh, Plowboys, okay, now I see. Joe Thornton was just hired by Barstool. That's what he just posted in the fanboy. Boy, my God, Plowboy is banty AF. And he's doing this while running the board for 
for Frank. Um, let's see. Okay. Where is my thread? I always post a picture with it so I can scroll through and find. The, the, usually it's Gabby Carter or Abigail Mack. Today it is, uh, what's that guy's name? He was on uh, The Vampire Twilight. Taylor Lautner. Am I right on this? It's Taylor. I, I never knew how to say his last Are name. Are you team Taylor or team, I don't know. Could not Scottish guy, Robert Pattinson, nurse? Yeah, I think that's right. A lot of Caller Ellen threads after her call into the Plowhawk. I'm getting a lot of texts also while doing the show, trying to keep my... All right, there it is. Okay, because I knew there was a good question. There's a few good questions in here. Uh, let's see. What is one question... to me recaps. What is one question slash mystery you'd like answered in your lifetime? Uh, easy. That would that would be religion. That's easy. Because then I feel like there's, there's a domino effect that then then takes care of a lot of things. The thing is is that if we did have an answer and if it did go that, oh, well, unfortunately, we have an announcement to make. When you die, it's Tony Soprano and it's just black and it's over and that's that. I think you'd still have people go, no, it's not. And then, you know, I mean, it's kind of like talking politics right now. And I, that's why I don't even really engage in it. It's like, yeah, but here, no. And you go, oh, oh my God. You know, you kind of get like chills and go, Jesus, I'm just going to re return to my you know, and just get out of this thing. That's what I think would happen. But if I could get the answer, that would be huge. And I'm not even going specific on any particular religion. Is there a God, quote unquote, simple end quote as that? That would be the mystery to me, recaps. Uh, then he has a follow-up. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Uh-oh, this could get interesting. When I say you've churned through a lot of St. Louis's local celeb and broadcaster pool for your podcast. Oh, that's 100% right. Pete, Iggy, and I have had this conversation. Uh, are you interested in interviewing professors, artists, musicians, or professionals from fields in which you're interested? Like the Joe Rogan experience, I guess he interviews celebs, but he also has people on with dissenting opinions, lifestyles, etc. What's the next iteration of the podcast? So that's a really good question because it is our discussion right now. Um, yeah, I mean, the way that we started with interviews, first off, I made a mistake, um, but it, would, it just would have required foresight that I didn't have at the time. To do a new interview once a week, every week, was a bar that for what essentially was a start. Well, it wasn't essentially. It was a startup. It was really unrealistic. Now, to the producers, ranging from back when John Seymour was producing it to Pete and Iggy now, uh, to their credit, we've been able to keep it going. But it is a really difficult bar to continue to reach. It just is, it, you know, it, there's no way around it. Um, I think we kind of got a, a false bump, so to speak, as they say in polling data when I was in Florida and was able to get all these Cardinals and have the access that I had. Um, certainly if I do get down to Florida in uh, the upcoming off season, um, I would bring, I would either hire somebody quote unquote full time down there or bring somebody down there. Now you're getting into expenses of paying for somebody to live down there. Um, because I would want to get all, I wouldn't want to do even more, not just Cardinals, you know, and just be like, okay, today's the day we're interviewing Max Scherzer over at the Nationals Complex. Today's the day we're going to Justin Thomas's place. Fowler said he can give us 15 minutes. Ricky Fowler. I know it sounds nuts, but I really, that, that'd be Jack Nicholas. That, that would be my goal. But in St. Louis, it's an astute observation. We, we have gotten to a point where I'm like, wow, we really have, and I don't want to say everybody, because we certainly haven't. But the people I wanted to interview, we, you know, I mean, I guess at this point we're, 
you know, we're not at two years, but we're on the other side of a year and a half, you know, so if you're doing math there, you're, you're, you're 80 plus interviews. I mean, you go, wow, which direction do we go? So that's something that internally I'm, I'm, you know, when it gets down to it, I'm, 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 I'm the one with the C on the sweater here for this. So I've got to figure that out. And yes, it is something that we're discussing. I personally could sit and do this type of show. If somebody said, you got to do it five days a week, I go, fine. I mean, I think I started, I'm looking at the clock. It's 1152 as I record this. And I think I started at 11 and I feel like I could go another two hours. Um, and I enjoy this, whereas I know it's tough to book guests. It always has been. So it's fortunate for TMA that we just have gone, yeah, let's not even worry about it unless we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Blues are in the Stanley Cup Finals. I just first person pluraled it. Um, you know, then then you got to then you got to answer the bell and, and have big guests. And Iggy and Pete and Plowhawk have certainly answered the bell. But with this, when you're talking about a half hour to a 90 minute interview, most of the time, um, you're you know, it's, it's tough to keep the, you know, you look at the bar that was set. If you go back to episode one and like 90 minutes in Gary Pinkle's house and then Jack Danforth, um, you know, and, 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 the, and then you can start rattling off like some of the biggest names in either sports or media or politics in the area. And I wouldn't say by any means, all of them at all, but better than 50% have been on. I'd say that with great confidence. And then those who haven't been on people are like, oh, you really ought to get Chris Long on. Listen, Chris Long is my white whale. He really is. But I, I, I do it over the phone, and people go, well, it was a game three. And I go, I know, but it's not like they weren't trying. you know. And I could have texted, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. I don't think it will because people know I have a rapport with him. Could have texted Joe Buck, who was the one who was getting him tickets initially. But Joe's calling the U.S. Women's Open, and I, I hate I hate asking for favors. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Um. I like doing things for people. I think I said this last week. I like doing things for people when they don't ask. <laughs> but if they ask, I, you know, and it's kind of a tough one, I'm kind of like, oh. You know, that's why when people like when Cam and Jackman and uh, my buddy who works at the Blues and Chase were talking about people asking them for Stanley Cup final tickets, and it actually, it just tilted me beyond belief. So I'm like, first off, really? Secondly, where's your self-awareness? And third, especially when people, like the people they're telling me are doing it, they like barely know them. It's like, fuck you. So I don't want to do that, even though I'm, you know, and then like Joe and I, when Joe, Joe was in on the podcast and I said, yeah, I'm hesitant to text you about this. He goes, oh, that makes me sound like such a dick. And I go, yeah, but I, I know you're saying that right now, but sometimes I get, like, so when I'm playing golf with somebody, and they go, oh, my God, how many texts do you get? And I go, I get a lot. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, it's kind of like when you deal with social media shit. It's like, okay, that's that's a negative, but it also kind of comes with doing a show that has a following. If anything, what would you rather have? Have have no negative social media, but then no audience. I mean, it's an easy choice. So, you know, it kind of comes with the territory. And people get my number, not like they're getting, you know, some great phone number. And then they feel like we're buddies and then they'll just text me throughout the day. And, I'm, you know, it's, 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 I don't know how to describe it, but it goes on. I guess it's, I guess it's strange, but at the same time, part of TMA is like, it's not like, and coming up, we'll tell you why the Blues power play should improve and why their penalty kill will be much better with Oscar Sundquist. That's after this break. Here's your time check. That's not our show. It's our personalities. And so you do feel like you know us. 
And so when somebody gets my number, then they're just like, you know, then they start texting. And it's like, I have, you know, I have a wife and a son and, you know, but I can't go, hey, could you stop? I can't say, hey, could you stop <laughs> texting me? It's a weird spot. And, and, and so it's not like, you know, I mean, Pete's the producer along with Iggy. And it's like Pete's like, hey, we got to do this at 815 tomorrow. There's none of that going on. You know, there might be like, hey, what do you think of this person as a guest? Um, it's just, so it's, it's oftentimes it's just kind of like, Hey, did you see this article or, Hey, what did you think of this going on on Twitter? And I'm just like, ah, you know, or the blues win and people to start texting. And, but, 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 you know, I'm not, and I, and I hope it doesn't, it's not complaining. It's, I know it's unique cause I know other people don't get it. But at the same time, like, I don't think like Tom Ackerman gets it. And Tom Ackerman's on KMOX and he's been working the market longer than I have because his style of show is not like as personality driven as ours is. It's like when people see Doug, you know, I've, I've witnessed that. They like, and, and I, I also know like when Doug and I were working together at KMOV, Doug just gets tight when it's time to do, when it's time to do like live shots. And so I was with young page views after the blues beat the sharks and clinched the Western conference. And page view starts doing something that was more of a, like a bit type thing like yelling at Doug. And then I saw this look on Doug's face and he's like pressing his IFB into his ear. And either there really was somebody talking to him or he was just acting like there was so he could get page views to stop screaming at him. And I said to page, Hey, leave him alone. I haven't seen that look since I left in 2005, but I remember that look he's locked in on his TV thing. Just leave him alone. You know, because the TV thing is a tighter deal. You got to hit certain times like, okay, you got 90 seconds. Okay. And then you're okay. You got 15 seconds. You got to wrap, you got to wrap, you got to wrap, you know, it's a different ball game. Our thing, it's like, here, talk and be morons. Okay, thanks. 10 o'clock, Frank's up. Now he's going to do, like, something with a schedule. So, you know, that's 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 what we're doing. So with Joe, there are times where I feel like I'm texting him and I'm annoying him. And so I've just kind of, kind of gone on a thing where I don't bother him with it. Um, now, he'll the way we usually wind up having conversations is he'll initiate, and I am happening to sit there with my iMessage open, and I can sit there and bullshit with him, and that's how we usually communicate. But I'm not the one to initiate unless it's like, hey, like when the Blues beat the Sharks, can you? Or we were texting that night though, anyway. Um, can you come on? You know, because he's such a huge Blues fan, and then he wound up being on the show the next morning, so that was that was great. But I didn't want to text him, especially a week where he's calling the U.S. Women's Open, which. I would imagine if he had a truth serum, isn't like, you know, one of his favorite assignments, but he has to get into U.S. open mode. So he has to, you know, they're going to get their Fox golf crew together and he has to, you know, and that, that that's going to require more work because obviously you're not rattling off the top 10 in the LPGA like you're on the PGA. And I don't want to bother him for the Chris Long thing. So this is a long way of getting back to, because that's one of the joys of the podcast is we just wander off the road. And ideally I return to the road of, of the guest thing. Okay, but let's say we get Chris Long. Then it's like, who's my next white whale? I don't really know. Like, Greitens? I, I mean, the mayor, Lida Cruson, the ex-mayor, Mayor Slay? I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, and what would they really say? Like, we got Jay Nixon, we got Dave Peacock, but in, in both cases, I know that they were there was some shadow boxing going on, that they couldn't say certain things. I can ask, but how great was the interview? Like, my interview with Learn was probably better than my interview with Dave Peacock. And that's not Dave Peacock's fault. There's litigation. And my interview with Young Pages was probably better than the interview with Jay Nixon. So it's just, it's, it's, so I don't know. I agree though with the exact logic of what Joe Rogan does. Couldn't agree with you more. I don't know. 
I don't, I, the, the, the real answer is I don't know, but I can tell you this, Pete, Nagy and I have had this conversation. Like there's just, we can't keep, it's just, not, it's not realistic and it's not because of a lack of effort. It's just, it's tough. It's like, you look at that first, you know, but then, but here's the, here's the other part of it. I've enjoyed the hell out of it. It doesn't matter who, like, sometimes I'm like, God, I don't know this person as well as I know. So-and-so I don't know how this is going to go. And then I get anxiety about it and act like a bitch. Uh, not really, I don't think toward anyone, uh, because usually the morning of the interview and I'm like, God, I, well, I'm looking forward to TMA, but then I got to interview this person. I barely know him. And then I wind up loving the conversation and then it goes great because I, they'll say something. I'm totally curious about what they're talking about and then I'll be just totally engaged. So I don't know. And I, and I like to think that's, I think what Rogan has done and that's the sign of a good interview, not an interviewer, but an interview. And so, you know, I don't know, but I agree. But like David Hunt, Derek Gould, we can, we can do that stuff. Um, I don't know. I, and I've told Pete Nagy, one of the things that, here's one thing, this is a little behind the scenes, but I suppose it's newsworthy. Uh, and I really want to put quotes around newsworthy, but we started and I said, let's get everybody in studio. And the thought process was you get somebody in studio, you're going to get a better quality interview. And I, you know, people can say that's not true. I would, I would bet everything I got on it. But I mean, again, it's subjective. Uh, now I'm like, okay, cause especially with Iggy and his just random Rolodex, go ahead and they can be over the phone. Because as it's turned out, whether it be with like somebody like Mark Mulder, who else? Pete, maybe there's one that stands out to you over the phone. I don't know. But they've, they've wound up being, I don't want to say just as good. Like Theismann, for example, was probably, I don't want to say it was one of the worst. Well, I guess that's what I'm saying. But I'm not saying it like as a shot at Joe because I actually kind of know him. But he had to go, and he was speaking at something in Las Vegas, and I could tell, like, he didn't say, hey, Tim, I got to go. Just the the answers, got, they had a pace to him, and you know what's going on. It's like, okay, I got to let him go. He's got to go. You know, it's like if I said to somebody, I got 15 minutes, and now we're on the 25th minute, and I really do need to go, I'm going to try and, like, hint at it with my answers without saying, hey, I'm sorry, I got to go, you know, unless it gets you more. So that you prevent that with a phone interview or with an in-studio in interview versus a phone interview. So I don't know. I know I love doing the podcast. The, the sweat right now is the guest thing, candidly. But I enjoy, but then the thing is, I, some of these interviews have been, Joe Edwards we were just talking about, have been great. Even though, you know, when you look at an hour and a half with Gary Pinkle at his house or Jack Danforth, like, you know, airing his, you know, bearing his soul on his party, um, you know, or take your pick of, you know, Dexter Fowler, you know, being the mood he was in when we talked with him, whomever. I mean, God, I don't even know. I'd have to look at it because there's been so many great ones. Isaac Bruce was incredible. Keith Kachuk in here. Um, we've had some politicians that, that I didn't even know their names when I started. I mean, I, I, I have to tell you, I guess it's self-indulgent, but I think Mark Monavani nearly beating Steve Stenger, I think his appearance on the podcast played a role in that. As dumb as it sounds, and I know it sounds self-indulgent, but it exposed him to a lot of people who I think that thing went word of mouth and they're like, this guy's really good, you know? So I don't know, do with it what you want, but that's, that's my opinion. But it was a really good question. I like the question. Uh, let's see. There was another one. James Carlton of the Carlton state farm insurance agency. How great of a sponsor is James Carlton? Well, he was, I say simply a sponsor. I don't want to demean what he was, but he was simply a sponsor. He, thought the podcast was going to do well. So before we started the podcast, he said, I want to advertise on the podcast. I appreciate the faith, James, and I appreciate the fact that 18 months later, you're still with me. But I was so impressed with James that I switched to James. I had to, and I'm so happy I did. Just this morning, 
What happened? Oh, I got a notification from State Farm. Um, my wife's car is, is back in St. Louis. And, uh, and James got us on this um, program on the State Farm app that allows us to save money based on quality of driving performance and the odometer. And, and they sent uh, an email and saying, hey, could you update uh, your wife's car's odometer? This is just a standard State Farm group email. And, uh, and I emailed James and I said, hey, uh, just want to let you know we get back in a couple of weeks. But I, I have no idea, and she doesn't remember what's in our, you know, mileage. And so, uh, can you know, what, what should we do there? Because we want to make sure we get that discount. And he goes, don't worry about it. I see what it was in December. We'll make an, uh, an approximation on what it is, and we'll take care of it. And there's that. And I know it might be like, oh, that's, you know, that's not that big of a deal. And, okay, you might say it's not that big of a deal. I know this. I couldn't have done that before I switched to James Carlton, and it saves me money. And it's also got back to me within, like, five minutes of me sending the email does your person do that? Now, they might. I don't know. I know that not everyone does, and I know that not everyone has a staff like James at 314-961-4800. And you're not talking about like, oh, this is my you know, little $50, you know, this or that. It's like, oh, if, I, if, it, if it gets messed up, it gets messed up. Who cares? That's not the way that it is. This is your home. This is life insurance for your family. This is your auto. This is important. So you want to have somebody who knows it, who's in charge of it. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Uh, even if the Blues lose, do you think this massive interest in hockey will bleed into next season? Have we really entered into a new era of hockey in this town, or will the postseason hockey fan be checked out until next April? Um, I can tell you, from my perspective, both as a guy who's hosted a talk show in the market or done television in the market for nearly two decades now, um, that this is going to have a lasting effect that will carry through lifetime. Lifetime is... And for me, as somebody who is uh, very uh, candid with something that I think is the case with a lot of media guys in St. Louis, but they just don't say it. And I get it. You know, I'm kind of in my own little fucking weird world where I'm talking about porn and threesomes and orgies and being agnostic. And, you know, I mean, who the hell else is doing that? Because they're like, ah, I probably shouldn't do that. I, I need to keep my job. Uh, so I also understand why they wouldn't go. Yeah, I did the blues and blue jackets played in December. I have no idea how oh, they lost. Okay. We'll mention it. You know, I think that's where a lot of the people are. Now, I don't know that, but I think it. Um, For me, I will be way more interested in Blues hockey in October than I have ever been in Blues hockey in October in my life. 100%. I am, whenever this is over, and at the max at this moment, we have three more games to watch, I'm going to miss it. Um, There is a weird thing about finally getting it that came in 2006 for me anyway with a depression. It's a weird thing. And I'm, and I'm actually using that word because uh, I know that's like now one of those things that you got to be careful because somebody might say, oh, you can't say that word unless you really were depressed. Well, I really truly was depressed. Now, I was truly depressed because Martin had just quit the morning grind like two weeks before the Cardinals beat the Tigers when we were in New York. Well, I guess he didn't quit until we got back. But it was an email from Jason Barrett that I'm like, oh, fuck, Martin's going to quit the show. Martin might kill somebody, but Martin is also going to quit the show. Uh, We were in New York when he got that email when they were playing the Mets. Um, And then they won it, and I'm just like, 
it's, I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time is The Graduate. Super obscure, especially now since it was made in 68 or 9. But like uh, Dustin Hoffman's character and his love interest, Elaine, Mrs. Robinson's daughter, they finally defeat the hashtag olds and the plastics and they do it with their own weapon, religion, with the cross. Again, you can obviously tell I went to English at St. Louis U High and people may or may not have uh, really dug into this thing maybe more than it was worth. But all the symbolism of it, and then they win. And then the final scene is they're in the back of the bus and they look at each other like, oh shit, what's next? So you're familiar with what I'm talking about, Gangster Pete. You're Jesuit educated too. Yeah, we we had a class. On you that. broke that thing down. I love that fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Love like when I rattle off Godfather and Goodwill Hunting, and then I include the God uh, Graduate. People go, the Graduate, the fuck? You know what are you part of the counterculture? You were born in '76. I don't know. I love the movie because I, I like symbolism, and I guess getting high and digging into shit that might not really be there. Who knows? I don't know. But that's what's doing. So when the Cardinals won in 2006, I remember sitting there, and saying to my wife going I don't know why but I'm kind of depressed it was the day of the World Series parade now I also remember that day I had to leave the World Series parade so I could do a Rams post game show over the Dubliner which I remember thinking to myself this is so fucking dumb and it was dumb I it wasn't it wasn't and, I mean I got now 13 years to look back on it it was dumb I was right it was dumb we're not covering the Cardinals World Series Parade. We're going to cover this shitty football team, and they were shitty then. This shitty football team's game against the Chargers in which they had the hell be. I'm pretty sure about that. You can look it up. October of 2006 against the Chargers. It might have been early November by that point. And they got their asses beat, and I'm and I'm sitting there doing this. I'm just like, so that bothered me. Martin was no longer on the show, and the Cardinals had, had won, and I'm just like, I, I was like depressed. And then it lasted for a while, and then the cat got whacked, and now I'm doing a show with Bob Fesco, and it's nothing against Bob. I always have to put that disclaimer, but the whole thing had been blown up in a matter of a couple months' time, and it's just, uh, I was depressed. So obviously there were some additional things, but, you know, what will it be? I mean, I don't know. I mean, people are going, I don't fucking care. You're so screwed up in the head that you got depressed over that. I'd do anything to experience that possible depression of, of getting there. But as far as, so I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen. Because, again, I was dealing with some other shit that had nothing to do with the Cardinals. And, it might, and I think that night, no, that night, um, that I was out until 8, because I think the clocks moved. So I was out until 7, but the clocks moved. So I got no sleep. Was at the Stag Bar, for real, with members of the world champions. And, you know, I, the, the world championship parade was in the afternoon. So obviously I got no sleep. It was probably shit-faced. So... You know, you have that element of it. Well, then the Sunday scary. So I let's let's in, let's encapsulate this with proper context. But I do remember that. Um, and it, but it didn't like when 2011 rolled around. Like, oh, the old World Series. Fuck this noise. You know, I was fucking. I was tilted in 2009 when Holiday dropped that ball. So, you know, it was short lived. But I do remember that. But as far as this injecting a hockey interest into this region. And it being a lasting effect, I am 100% all in. 100% all in. 100% all in. Period. I don't know. I don't even know how to elaborate on it. It's, it will last for lifetimes for people who are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and also 42 years old. Because you have memories of whether it be watching with your family, watching with your friends, being at the game with your family, being at the game with your friends, being at bars, watch parties, whatever, that you will always remember because of the rush of energy. 
that's what it's about. You know, I mean, the game is one thing, but the journey and the energy and the highs and the lows. I mean, listen, you know, I was reading this column in Boston this morning, and they're talking about, you know, all these championships they've won since, of course, February of 2002, where it all started against the Rams in Super Bowl 36. And they were talking about how, you know, they beat the Rams, not that time, but the most recent time when they were the L.A. Rams. And it was, an, it was a shitty game. It was like 13-3 or 10-3. I don't even know what it was. Uh, and they beat, they, when they won the World Series in October of 18, I think they breezed through the Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers in five games apiece. I mean, the reality of the things are, you know, I think for most St. Louisans who can remember both of them, the 2011 World Series is held in higher esteem than the 2006 World Series. Why? Because it was tougher. And you had the emotional roller coaster. And then if you if you exit the roller coaster as a winner, then it's the greatest. And the 2004 NLCS, the 2006 NLCS. But the 2006 World Series, you're kind of like, yeah, it was five games. And it was great because it's the first time the Cardinals won in 24 years. But, I mean, the Tigers couldn't field a bunt. And, you know, it was five games and... You know, I don't really know how good that Cardinal team was. I don't know. So all those things factor in. This thing, this this will be, even if the Car- even if the Blues were to lose this, it's going to have a lasting effect. If they win it, it's, it's in another world. It creates a hockey town. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings have been shit for a decade now. It's a hockey town. But why is it a hockey town? Was it a hockey town in the 80s when they were terrible? No, because the generation got to see, like, Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer playing for that team and playing for the Cup and winning the Cup from like the mid-90s all the way through, you know, when they lost, uh, I think when they lose, 2009 or 10, the Penguins. And then it kind of began a, a spiral for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what's going to happen here. I mean, you already saw it. You already saw it with all the guys getting drafted in 2016 and the alumni. It's only going to compound in a great way. So I'm all in. Gangster Pete, do you agree with this or do you disagree? Do you think this is going to be a blip? No, I totally agree. I mean, my brothers and I grew up during the whole notes thing in Cujo. And we'd pretend to be those guys playing street hockey, you know? So, like, now you've got a whole new group of heroes. You've got the All-Star game coming. They're building all these ice sheets all over town. No. I mean, it's going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, if you can, buy stock in, in hockey in St. Louis because it's, it's, you know, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't turning around. I, I don't know what it could, I mean, this is always there. I mean, even if they get their asses kicked in games five and six, you still have 14 wins including two Stanley Cup final wins, including one of which was at home in a thrilling game with an atmosphere during and after that was like second to nothing. I mean, that's always, that can't be taken away. It's like, you know, people are sitting there, can't wait till McKernan gets fired, can't wait till the show ends, fuck him, fuck him. It's like, okay, yeah, it's going to happen. It will happen. I can promise you it's going to happen. But you can't take away the 20 years, you know? So the Blues might lose this thing, but you can't take away the 14 wins. And that is going to lead to an even bigger boom in hockey in the region. And the alumni are such a huge part of that thing. All right, uh, this one I'll do real quickly because my answer is real quick. Heard any scuttlebutt about Mizzou's appealing of the bull ban. I know they appealed it around March 25th, but I've heard next to nothing about it. When I saw that, I texted uh, Gabe, and he said, not that I know of. I'm like, all right, there you go. So I texted. There's Gabe's answer. I don't know. Pete, I know you are you have 40 accounts Thank on you. Tiger Board. What do you have? What do you have right there? Make make it right. Oh, make it right. You have a make it right bracelet. <laughs> I really hope that's. I mean, do you think? What do you think percentage wise? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not. Optimistic I'm worried about that it. the NCAA is like, yeah, we probably should overturn it, but then it's going to set a precedent. I just think we're the perfect school to screw over because no one cares enough except 
around here. Uh, I mean, then I'm like, you know, part like the Cardinals play the Cubs in Chicago, like September 23rd. And it's like a few days before my birthday. And we try to get to Vegas for my birthday. It's tougher now with Jameson. But Anna Marie's like, why don't you want to go to that Cubs game or the, go up to Chicago and fuck off? And I'm like, Mizzou's playing South Carolina. And then I, I would rather watch that. But I got to be honest with you. If they're, if they're not in contention for anything, I don't care. I, and I know you're different than that. I know you're different than oh, that. Oh, it's it still would be in the back of my mind the whole time. I mean, yeah, it's just can't it, I can't. Yeah, that's that's why when I talk about regular season hockey, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Be an eight seed. What the fuck's it matter? It doesn't matter. That schedule we have, Kelly Bryant. I know. I know. So that's why I'm great. so I so tilting. So I don't know. I mean, because everything's been all blues around this side of the state for the last two months, and I can't imagine they're really talking Royals over there. Uh. You know, it hasn't gotten much attention, but you know, there it is. I texted Gabe, my journalism school cohort, and he hasn't heard anything. But at the same time, why would he like, oh, yeah, I know I run a subscription site, but let me break the news via text <laughs> to you. So who fucking knows? All right, final one. Okay, so I uh, went down the rabbit hole on this bar stool thing. Probably an hour of reading articles, blogs, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think the concept has real and lasting long-term legs? I didn't. Then I got suckered in by the recent local shenanigans and was kind of impressed by them. Then I read a bunch of stuff. Now I don't. I don't know what that means. Now I don't think it has long-term leagues, maybe. I think it's essentially the same as, quote, managing a sports radio website message board times $11 billion. To maintain success, they'll have to stay one event, utterance, video, post away from complete dismantling disaster and at some point that happens, no amount of the triggered defense will save them from it. If they shave off the sharp bits, the diehards will claim it's been neutered and move on to the next site platform. Over the years with the show slash Inside STL, have you had deliberate conversations on where that line is? Or do you just operate with confidence that no matter where the line is or where it gets moved, that you all stay on the right side of it? Um, I followed you, then I didn't follow you. And then there's questions that I can answer uh, because it has to do with my experience. So I'll start with those because I can ideally answer that as, as best as possible. Over the years with the show slash Inside STL, if you had deli deliberate conversations on where the line is, no. The answer in general is no. Um, I don't think we've ever had a conversation. I, mean, I can't say that because to say that just opens myself to somebody going, well, remember that time? And then I'll be like, oh, yeah. So I don't want to say that. But I, cert I mean, it certainly doesn't happen much. I mean, Jesus, I don't know when the last time we all met was. Um, you might not have ever been part of a meeting with all six people present, Pete. No. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, not the way a it works. One. Yeah. I mean, if any, if shit's going on, well, there's been plenty of that plenty recently, a couple months ago. Um, I would just handle, well, some of it, I'm like, okay, it doesn't involve everybody and I'm going to try and fix it. And so I'm not going to get people going because then they're going to start wondering what's going on. And I, it's better to just, you know, if it concerns everybody, then I'll get everybody involved. That's how I usually would handle it with like phone conversations. Um, it's like the only time I've ever on the phone, but, uh, the answer, the answer is in general, no. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, do I operate with confidence that no matter where the line is or where it gets moved that you stay on the right side of it? The answer to that is no, but not because of our actions. Um, because if something happens, I mean, I've, I've always predicted our death or my death, all it's going to take is somebody, and I actually don't know if it would be me, which I know is, I'm, I'm sure I'm the favorite, but it could be like a Doug political take 
where it really upsets somebody. Plowhawk certainly has gotten banty, um, but I don't think he gets banty in like the we're going to get him fired thing. But the pol- the political talk is so hyperbolic and then hypersensitive that somebody go, what did he say? And then it gets tweeted, 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 tweeted. And then somebody listens to archives of the show, of course, has an agenda and then takes things and then you lose the context, which is what I think goes on oftentimes with Barstool, although I don't know as I'm not like a regular consumer of their content. And then it's like, oh my God, they did this? Well, we have to take them off the air. And then the radio station goes, oh my God, we just lost all advertisers because this group went to the advertisers and started a boycott of their product. And the only way the boycott will stop is if they stop sponsoring the show, which means we lose all advertisers, which means the station has to get rid of the show. That's, in my opinion, how we die. And and I don't really, I'm not like going, yeah, I'm not on a ledge on this. But see, I don't think we would do anything that would be out of character. I think the death would be out of context. That's what I think. And I've thought this for a long time. I've thought this back to the aughts. Now I see shit now and I just go, oh my God, it's just awful. You know, it's, ugh. So then that's regarding, that's regarding my observations on social media, you know, um, and just seeing what goes on. God, I'm trying to, I feel like there was one here within the last 48 hours, but there's so many now that I, I, I lose track of them. Um, and I'm just like, God, this, this is just so, it's so The awful. owner one? Which one are we going? Oh, the, the NBA? The, well, I, yeah. saw, I just, I, I saw it. I just went, I, I saw it. And I'm just like, oh my God. And then went right through it. But there was something where I felt like somebody was getting absolutely taken out. And I'm like, I'm virtually certain this person didn't do what they're being accused of, but they're fucked. And you just see it. And you just, and you're just like, I feel terribly for it. And I feel like now, now, now as I'm saying it, I feel like it's something close to home. And uh, people might be going, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's somebody you work with and you're totally, and I don't remember, because there's so many of them. And I just, I hate it. I can't tell you how much I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I, I have a really soft spot for the innocent who are convicted in a trial of public opinion that is led by the uninformed in a pressurized format that then is used as a precedent. I want to include that there. That then is used, well, they fired this person when he did this, as if that was like a legal, like Supreme Court analytic was employed. No. Advertisers were pressured to boycott, which then led to the radio station, which employs oftentimes hundreds of people or a conglomerate that employs thousands of people, going, oh, God, if we don't fire him, we're going to not be able to operate. So it's going to take, and I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't know if I was ever in that, if I were ever in that position, how I would handle it candidly. And people go, oh, you had the Albert Pujols thing and you buckle there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's fine. You want to use that one? And I go, you don't know like a tenth of the story. But, you know, if you want to use it and do the gotcha thing, feel free. And I'd just tell you, then I'd go, here, let me let me play this for you. And you'd go, oh, I'm sorry. You know, because I say the audio. Uh, but the... That's what happens. These aren't legal precedents. These aren't done in a, in a court. They're done on social media, oftentimes with fake accounts or people whose viability is by stirring shit up. And I hate it. And it does not matter if the person's conservative or liberal. It does not matter. It truly does not matter. I hate it 
because I've been on the receiving end of it, but I hate it even more because I know that a lot of times, you know, when I dealt with it, it was just me and my wife. But my God, I picture my son and going, oh my God, we've got to leave town. And I don't know what we're going to do, but we got to leave town. And now you, even when I'm dead and gone, you're going to be like, oh, you're the son of the guy who did this, even though it's like, I didn't really do that, but that's what's attached to me. That's what I think about now. That's how I think now. And anybody who has kids and is in this fucking business would be able to relate. I realize I'm talking to probably nobody, but uh, that's how I think now. And it's just a different, and I, so I, but then I think about people who are just convicted in the court of public opinion. They didn't do anything wrong, but then they have to play the game. And you just go, oh, shit. They got to apologize, even if they don't really mean it. And then they still might be like off to the island of misfit toys. So with regard to like when the plow boy was getting all banty on the bar stool thing, specifically Dave Portnoy, uh, he starts citing things and candid. I mean, it's just the truth. I'm not familiar with the things that he's talking about, but I do know I see the text inbox. And if we say we might as well say Donald Trump because people line up on sides immediately when the topic comes up. And I said something along the lines of, uh, and I think I made a mistake because I'm usually, even though it's on off the cuff, I'm curious. I think I know like the words that can leave you exposed to the mobs. So I'm always saying, I choose. And I think I said, I don't consume their contact content personally. It's just not, not because I'm like, I will not listen to this. It's just, I don't listen to it. You know, I find like, I mean, I listen to some shit that people like you listen to that, but that's what I listen. I and mean, on top of it, I don't really ever drive anywhere. So I'm not in the car that long. So it's working out. Now I've gotten to a point where I just listen to music. So I'm trying to listen to a podcast. I find myself getting distracted. So I listen to music. So now I'm not even listening then. And I have a one minute commute to work. So if I don't have a long, so now I'm listening when I had to drive to this Mizzou tournament out at Winghaven this week, I had time and I listened to Mark Maron interview and David Letterman. And I was like, oh, this is great. I have some time, but that's all I got. So I, that's why I don't listen because I don't have the time. But I, I'll tell you what, when I was driving back from Winghaven, cause young Paige used and invited me to be on with Dave Portnoy down at ballpark village. But he, you know, he, he didn't let me know until, and I get it. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but until like an hour before the show was going to start, I'm like, dude, I'm playing this Mizzou charity tournament. I'm out in Winghaven. I can't get there. I'd, I would have loved to have done it. Um, but I was listening to the guys do their show and I'm like, this sounds a lot like TMA to me. That's what it sounds like to me. Now that's, but that, but people aren't going after Barstool for that stuff. They're going after him for previous stuff that Portnoy, I, I don't want to say allegedly, but I don't know that he did it or said it. And I don't know. And then people like, will pull up things and I don't know. But what I said was I don't consume their content. So now giving you context on that, it's not a moral high ground thing. I just, I, I don't consume much content. Um, but I respect what they've built. But I think what I said on the radio is you have to respect. So when you say that, it changes things because now I'm including somebody else. And then that, then it gave them, oh, you, you have to respect that. Do you respect Jeffrey Dahmer? He built a, he built a brand too. And I'm like, oh, fucking God, which is always why I go with to each their own. It's like, I don't, I also used Fox News as an example. I, it, it isn't my bag and I see what they do. I recognize the tactics, and I now CNN using the same tactics that they used during the Obama era. I see the whole thing, and that's why I just don't follow either one of them on social media anymore, and I think I'm happier or I'm less miserable. I did the same thing with Romy Rain. 
and Abigail Mack, and I'm huge fans of theirs, but it was a little too much, a little too much. I had to pull away a little too much. And I'm just like, I'm, it's not my thing, but they built something out of nothing. And I, in general, respect entrepreneurs. Now, I suppose it's only fair to include clauses that go, okay, it's not across the board. You know, it's not across the board. But if we're going to leap from Dave Portnoy to Jeffrey Dahmer, I feel like we're not really operating with a fair equivalency here. Now, if some people think we are, to each their own. There's my official bailout clause. But that's not how I see things. So, you know, with regard to the, the question, which I, I kind of lost the thing in the, in the middle, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's already won. It's already won. They could get shut down today. It's already won. See, that's the thing. That, that's how I view it. It's like, oh, inside STL, shut down inside STL. Okay, well, that didn't work. Well, the fuck was around for 15 years. I mean, <laughs> what? It worked. It's over. It, I mean, and it's not like it's done. I'm just saying it's like it's obviously not what we were doing when we first started out, but things changed. But it, it won. It was an idea. I bought a domain for $24.95, and then it ran a radio show that was quite successful, and we started a radio station. It won. It's over. But nothing lasts forever. So if Barstool ends today, people go, see, I told you it wasn't going to work. Guy started in 2005. He's already won. And I'm certain that he's got a lot more money from his thing than I do from mine. So I don't want to tell you. If, if you're hoping to see his death, as in his career death, I, I mean, it might come, but he's already got millions of dollars because of it. Gangster Pete, your thoughts. I know you're uh Barstool's done a really good job of diversifying their portfolio. So they got a lot of different revenue streams now. Yeah. I think they were built kind of on the merch side. Oh, they were built on the like, merch side? That's where a lot of the that's where I a lot of the money that. came from. I did not start. know that. Yeah. I'll and tell they you still that. make a ton of money on that. I'm saying this and I'll say it again, you know, because I started inside and I say I, it was me and Matt Seebeck. Uh started inside STL in two thousand five. Um, I was so incompetent, not to say it's changed now, but I mean, I was going to be, it was going to be the morning which would have been an immediately legal issue because I didn't own the morning grind. Um, I don't remember what the name of the big league broadcasting, I believe was the name of the company, I think. And they could have, you know, shut that down. So fortunately we stumbled into the name inside STL.com. Had I been in the same spot as Dave Portnoy, as I understand it. And he was like, and they were like pamphlets or something that he was like on the, uh, the Boston subway. What's the Boston subway called? There's a name for it. I don't know. I lose track of them. What's that? I don't remember what it's called that you're right. That's what he did. Yeah. Because I had a job where I was making a nice amount of money. Now, you know, I mean, it's, you know, things have changed. And fortunately, it's a better situation now. But it wasn't, it was enough that I could leave television. And so I didn't have to hustle like that. Now, I'm not, I, I look at what he does now and I'm like, I don't have any interest in that. And that's not to say I'm like, I am better than that. It's just, that's not where I am anymore. You know, that's just not where I am. I'm not interested in that hustle and like going, okay, I'm going to go to a game and and sit at the Boston Garden and experience the Blue Stanley Cup final that way, knowing what's going to happen. And I know people will be entertained by it or, you know, doing a, a, you know, whatever, a podcast and like kind of play a character. I've never played a character. Sure as hell wish I was playing a character 13 years ago because I listened to it and I'm horrified, but I wasn't playing a character. It's just who I was at the time. And, uh, and that's what he's doing, but he's doing it and he's making a shitload of money. Now, again, well, that doesn't justify it. Well, that's fine. Then, then don't listen. I don't know what to say or try to get him taken out. If that's what your goal is, I, I, 
you know, I just, I don't know, because I used to say that, and, and now I don't know, and by that I mean just, like, let things be, but then I feel like now media has played such a role in politics now that I'm like, maybe I was wrong on that, and maybe there is an issue. Well, not maybe. I'm certain there's an issue. It's like, but maybe you should do something about it. And by you, I mean me. What am I going to do? I don't know, but it's like, I think it's the reason for the political chasm, and, you know, I mean, Jack Danforth said it on this podcast. If you watch one show and I watch another show, we both think one thing is true or we, we, I think one thing is true and you think another thing is false. And now we're not going to be able to have a real conversation because you're looking at me like I'm crazy and I'm looking at you like, how do you not know that's true? You know, it's like with Doug with the Hillary earpiece during the debate. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, because it's all over the Internet. And I go, where? I mean, if it's all over the Internet, I haven't seen it. And he goes, there's a site called Infowars. And I go, oh, no, you know. But I love Doug. It's just like that's, but that's, that helps explain why we may see things differently. Or people go, well, you, Tim, you watch Meet the Press. You're totally libtard. You know, I, I don't know. But I just, I, I feel like it's, it's a real thing. I just don't know what the solution is. I really don't have a solution. I'm just presenting a problem. So it's like I'm a social media guy myself here that's getting likes and retweets with just bitching about something with no solution. Well, with Barstool, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it just doesn't bother me. I know when I listen to the radio show, it's on Sirius so they can talk like I'm talking now and say, fuck this and fuck that, which I think is fine. I don't care, obviously. But I just enjoyed the banter. As far as like the stuff with Sam Ponder and then the Pollock was starting stuff with, they're talking about stuff they started with Sarah Spain. I don't know about like the back background on it. Um, and then Pollock talked about Portnoy took video of a guy in a shower. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I've, I've heard something about it. I don't remember all the details. It was weird. I remember that. Well, yeah, I can't but, imagine the scenario wouldn't be. But I think at this point, the biggest, the best thing you could hope for if you don't like Barstool is to get rid of Portnoy. I don't think Barstool's going anywhere. It's gotten big enough where it's yeah. going to live with or without him. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. But whatever. I, yeah, I mean, it's so as far as longe, I mean, long, longevity, it's already happened. I guess if you're asking, like, what's their future in 10 years, I don't know on that. Um. I'll tell you this. I guess it's it's one of the things. I guess if I were more comfortable with it, I suppose I see the game. Like Clay Travis, like loves getting hate. Portnoy loves getting hate. And Clay's more in a spot like I am, as far as like I think Portnoy's single. I think. Yeah. Am I correct. Yeah. Okay. And I know people go, "What the hell's that matter?" Well, this is the game. You're just world changes. Any parent knows what I'm talking about. You know, when you have a child, it's just a different world. For me, it is. Now maybe it's different for Clay. Portnoy's wife left him for her trainer, I believe. Oh, you, you say that, and you're happy that you got that in. I say, <laughs> I didn't know that. But if he has a kid, I don't know if he has a kid. I, I'm more talking about kids so. than, than, than anything. It's just, I, that's, I'm, that's where I am now. But that doesn't mean I'm like, okay, I'm going to ease into retirement at 42. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like, I see kind of like, I remember Will Leach writing something when there was one barstool controversy, and he goes, I remember what it was like to be the badass guy on the internet. And he goes, and then you get to a point where you're around 40 and you go, it's not really who I am anymore to be the badass guy on the internet. And it's just not worth dealing with the bullshit that you deal with to be the badass guy on the internet. And that's kind of, you know, and I don't think I was the badass guy. I mean, I'm still talking about some stuff that I know plenty of people are horrified by or just totally disagree with or thinks immoral or whatever. It happens to be who I am. So I'm comfortable with it. It's not like I'm like, oh shit, I got to talk about Gabby Carter again. I'm happy to talk about Gabby Carter. Um, even though I know plenty of people are like, oh my God, that's immoral while they're watching it. But, you know, it's never been like an act. 
So for me, this is just kind of who I am, but I do listen to myself 13 years ago. God, ah, ugh. So, you know, you just, you change. So when people say like, caller Ellen calls in and Hayes is the plow hawk, you know, well, this is who he is. It doesn't matter. It's not like you change. Well, you do change. I did that, that part I, that you do guys. I did. I know I did not, not like some huge way, but you know, I mean, you have a child, you change, you get divorced, you change, you can't help it unless you're just totally lacking self-awareness. I don't care who you are. You get divorced, you go, okay, I must've done something wrong. Even if you're like, well, it's 99% somebody else's fault. And that's not by any means what I'm saying to be crystal clear. I, you know, that's on me. Uh, but I, but I mean, how can you not learn? I would, you know, and as you just, you just experience wisdom or what you think is wisdom. But in, Portnoy's case, he's running this offense that's doing really well, and God bless him. It just doesn't bother. I don't know. But I, all I know is when we talk about it on the show, it's like, when's the Barstool stuff going to be over? Well, I mean, it's, it's because the Blues are playing the Bruins, and they came to St. Louis, and then you had this thing happen. So that's the background. Are we going to be talking Barstool like two weeks from now? I don't know if something pops up, yeah, but why is that okay? You know, why does that one bother people so much? But, like, you know, it's just like, oh, I, you know, I— can't stand when they talk about porn. Well, who's they? Because do you think Doug's like, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Gabby Carter. I noticed her newest <laughs> movie. I mean, it's me. I'm talking about it. So, you know, and I, I'm at a point now with the politics stuff. I'm like, it's not going to be a conversation. It's going to be a shouting match. And I'm just, that to me bores me. And as the captain, so to speak, of the ship with directing the discussion, I'm like, it's not going to be good content. It's just going to be, it's not going to be like, oh, that's interesting. Somebody said that. Oh, now he said that that was interesting. It's going to be just like, here's my talking. Okay, here's my talking. Okay, well, he did this. Okay, yeah, but you know, she did that. And it's just like, ah, not interested in it. But people might say, well, I'm not interested in you talking about Gabby Carter. That's fine. I don't know what to say on it. The, 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 the fun thing is now, and it used to really bother people, is it's, if you don't like it, don't listen. And I, and I, I know some people like, like it, it pisses them off when they hear that because there really is no comeback for it. Like, yeah, but, but that's it. If, unless somebody's doing something illegal, that's it. That's it. There's, no, there's nothing else to say about it. But I have to say that as we continue to wade into these times of division that I really do believe, and I might be wrong, I really do believe you can trace back to the 1990s and media I really believe that. I might be wrong. I'm not saying that this is, this is my thesis. I then wonder, is it responsible for me to go, if you don't like it, don't watch it, because one could say that. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. You can, plenty of people can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart, and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. It's, uh, you ever watch The Handmaid's Tale? Uh, is it A Handmaid's Tale or The Handmaid's Tale? I, 
I don't know. You don't know if you've it's watched it. It's on my what list to watch. You? No, I mean the title. Oh. oh. Uh, no, it's on my list to watch, but I have not watched it yet. I have to tell you. It's one of those things that's kind of like, like I'm trying to get Anna Marito, obviously, to watch some things I'd like to watch that's never going to happen. But we watch stuff, and then she goes, oh, you're, I love Handmaid's Tale. We're just going to go with that, and I call other. Uh, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. Sounds to me like something like this is like the girl's show, but I'll, you know. And then I watch a few episodes. I'm like, this thing's legitimately good. It is really, thank you. It really is really good. But um, it, one of the lines, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you kind of feel like there's a timeliness to it that I think was unintentional when they came up with the concept. And, and I think one of the lines, because I'm, I'm early on, uh, was, if if someone incrementally turns up the temperature while you're in the bathtub, you will boil to death. And, you know, so it's, and I thought, you know, I don't know if that was intended to be poignant, because again, I think this was shot, you know, a couple of years ago, but you go, ah, you know, so I don't know. That's why part of it, maybe the, the, one of the questions was the iteration of the podcast regarding guests. I've talked about this. It just would require you got to dig in. I mean, and by you, I mean me and you, Pete and Iggy or whoever else is associated with producing it of just calling attention to media. And I'm not talking about, we're going to hold local sports media accountable. I'm, that couldn't be less relevant to the world. I'm talking about in general, just like, Hey, here's this, you know, here's this. And it's not going to be limited to look at Fox news. It's CNN too. It's take your pick. It's just like, ah, and it's, it's oftentimes it's not even like the content. It's a headline and you just see what's done. It's so easy to spot. So I don't know. So that's why I go, yeah, if you don't like it, don't listen. But I mean, I guess the difference is Barstool, at least I don't think Barstool is le leading to policy. I know TMA is not listening to policy or uh, leading to policy. Um, so, you know, it's a different program than, than how I view what's going on with political coverage in the United States. I say that. Now, maybe somebody counter that. And if you do, it's fine. I, I, I'm open to that discussion. And so how one could say, well, here's why I think Barstool should be shut down. And then present the case. I am more than happy to listen. You can make it come on, and here's why your fucking podcast needs to be shut down. I'd listen to it. Here's why TMA needs to be shut down. Okay, that's fine. I mean, the Rick, we had Rick Venturi on, the former Rams broadcaster, Rams coach. And he said the media in St. Louis was complicit in the Rams moving to Los Angeles. And I'm like, wow, that's a hell of a statement. And I got to tell you something. I think he's right. I think he's right. But it's the guys over there talking porn that are the problem. And that's the thing that I just, that stuff never resonated. I just never get that. It's like, why is that like the nuclear bomb? But like the guy who you're like, I'm pretty sure that motherfucker is a bigot. Or this guy beat the shit out of somebody. But that guy talks porn. He's the problem. I never get that. But whatever. I know it exists. And I realize almost everybody listening to this doesn't come from that mindset. But I know it exists. Oh, we can't have him on our station. He talks porn. We can't have him on TV. He talked. Did you hear they had strippers on the show? Yeah, but this guy's got, you know, three DUIs. Yeah, but I mean, you know, everybody's got a DUI. I just, you know, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's it, it's not as simple as, to me, it's not as simple as, if you don't like it, don't listen. I have to be fair because I feel like 
my thought process, even though I wasn't thinking about this stuff in the 1990s when I believe it began, was if you don't like it, don't watch. Now as this stuff goes on, I don't know. But, but again, I feel like the thing that I can cut the line and make it, and it's not apples to apples, is Barstool, TMA, whatever their content that's nitwittery content is not leading to governmental policy that's impacting people's lives. At least I don't think it is. Now, if somebody wants to counter that, I, I'll give you a microphone. Gangster Pete, you just, I felt like you just made a gesture, and I don't know if that means you want to talk or if you just... Uh, no, that was an inadvertent gesture. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I, I want to make sure I got there. So anyway, there it is. I think I just did like an hour and 40 minutes of questions from the audience. I love questions from the audience. It's like taking up now most of my day. Uh, after doing TMA in an interview. and But I, lo I love questions from the audience. I don't know how many people are going to listen to the whole thing. Uh, I always like feedback, suggestions, and questions for questions from the audience. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Of course, thank you to our sponsors, TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly, uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet Highway 270, the Washington Elizabeth Exit, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. They're the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Thank you to Gangster Pete. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.